Our our reading this evening is from Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done. Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening, everybody. For anyone that's new here, hello to you. My name's Jonathan. I'm the vicar here, and you are very welcome. For those of you who are part of the church family, thank you very much for your love and prayers. Many of you heard my mum died during the week, and uh, lots of you have sent texts and emails and cards and prayer, and I'm feeling very upheld most of the time. I'm a bit up and down, but uh, doing the things that the Lord's called me to do, and I think preaching this evening is one of them. Uh, I normally process a lot of emotions with my dog, but he died last week as well. So it's been a tough, it's been a tough old week. Uh, however, the Lord is good and he's still here. And um, whether you're uh, depressed that Christmas is over like Kate, or whether you're excited about the new year or somewhere in between, let's pray that God will speak to us now. Lord, we praise you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you sent your Holy Spirit on Jesus as he was baptized afresh. And as we think about that tonight, send your Holy Spirit on us afresh, we pray. Whether we've been Christians for many years, whether this is very new, whether even we're just finding out, will you come and speak to us? Help me as I speak, help us as we listen, and give us grace to follow where you lead. And we ask it in your name. Amen. So as Andy said, we're looking at Luke's gospel this term, not the whole thing, uh, But following Jesus, various passages from Luke's Gospel, we thought we'd start tonight with the start of Jesus' public ministry. We've had lots of angels and shepherds over the last few weeks, uh, where you get that in the early chapters of Luke. John has been baptising, John the Baptist, and tonight is the point where Jesus comes to be baptised by John. Let's just read the end of that story again. I'm going to read verse 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Extraordinary, wonderful high point uh, at the start of Jesus' public ministry, and Jesus is in no doubt what the Father thinks about him. Uh, Now just before I start preaching into this, Just ask yourself for a minute, what do you think God thinks about you? 
If you need to talk in order to think, if you're extrovert, talk to the person next to you. If you're introverted, you can stay quiet and think, that's possible. Uh, you can think quietly or you can talk. But just what do you think God thinks about you? You may never have asked that question. You might think, I've no idea. Uh, but what do you think God thinks about you? Either just silently or with the person next to you, just for a minute. What do you think God thinks about you? There might be a lot of silent thinking going on. Not many extroverts in tonight, so it must there we go. It's a really important question because what you think God thinks about you will affect how you relate to Him. Our theology, what we think about God, affects how we approach Him. Some people think that God is distant, a bit like a distant relative who doesn't really notice you. They don't really notice what's going on. You're aware they're there. Some people think God's out there, but he doesn't really notice what I do. And so if that's the case, it doesn't really matter too much what you do because God doesn't notice. I think more people have a sense of God being disappointed in them. Yes, God's made me. Yes, I know he loves me, but really he's a little bit disappointed. I think this was what I felt about God for many years. Uh, I've told this story fairly often from this spot and I'll tell it again, but when I was growing up, my dad was very keen to help me be the best I can. I was a bright child who was a bit careless at school, inevitably, and he wanted to help me uh, do better. And one particular year, as he looked through my school report, he said, John, I'm sure it's very good and I want to reward you and there'll be five pounds, which in those days was riches indeed, many, many years ago. But he said, but every time it mentions careless, we'll knock 50p off. And I have this horrible memory of sitting with my dad while we went through my report and him knocking 50 p's off because there's rather a lot of careless in there. And now my dad was a good godly dad trying to do the right thing. He got, probably got that one wrong. But I projected that onto what God the Father thought of me. I had this sense of God the Father basically pleased with me but knocking 50 p's off because I was just a bit disappointing. So that affected my relationship with God. It meant I was very happy doing things for God but I didn't want to spend too much time with him because it was a bit excruciating. Or perhaps you know the truth, and the truth is that God delights in you. This is what the scriptures tell us, that God delights in his people. Like the very best parents delight in their children. Or perhaps the way your grandparents delighted in you. Our grandparents can delight in you very easily. They don't have to discipline you and so on. They just <laughs> But God is potty about us, really. He loves us. And how we understand what God thinks about us really affects. If I think God loves me, then I want, of course I want to spend more time with him. If I think God's disappointed in me, well, I probably don't. And so you get this either a vicious circle where we spend less time with him and the less time we spend, the, the worse our understanding. Or a virtuous circle where we understand God loves us and that draws us closer and so we know more. Now, at the start of Jesus' ministry, Jesus is assured by the Father that he loves him. You are my son whom I love. He's baptized by John. So baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we'll think about why that was needed because Jesus didn't sin. And he senses the Holy Spirit come on him afresh like a dove. And all three of those things are really key for us if we're going to uh, grow in the Christian life and be effective for God in making him known. We need to know the love of the Father. We need to know our sins are forgiven. 
We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So this is kind of a New Year sermon, which covers a lot of the basics of Christianity. But it's a fresh start. It's a new year. Uh, And if we've grown a bit distant from the love of God, my prayer is that tonight God fills us afresh with his love. If you're not sure whether you're really forgiven, my prayer tonight is that you know that you're forgiven. The past is wiped away. There's a fresh start. If you're feeling a bit weak and tired and lacking strength to do what God's called you to do. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh. So we'll think about those three things and then we'll pray them for each other afterwards. So first of all, at Jesus' baptism, he is assured of the love of, our hev- of his heavenly Father. Uh, we can put the verses up again, verse 21 and 22, please, Daniel. Uh, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, this is not because Jesus has done any ministry yet. He hasn't. He's done a lot of carpentry. He's made some tables and some chairs. He's made some ox yokes and some door frames. Uh, He's made some carts. Uh, He was kind of the mechanic of the day, if you like, before there was combustion engines and things. He's done a lot of that. But I don't think this is what the Father's talking about when he says he's pleased with him. I'm sure they were lovely ox yokes and tables and so on. He's pleased with him because of who he is, not because he's done anything yet. And yet in our society, we're, re- we're rewarded for how well we do at school and how well we do. and all that. We have this sense that God's only pleased with us when we do well. And the truth is he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Uh, as he's made us in his image. He wants relationship. When we come to Jesus, we're forgiven. We're adopted into his family. And he says to you, you are my son. You are my daughter. I love you and I'm pleased with you. And Jesus was utterly secure in his relationship with his heavenly father. And it was all of his ministry flows out from this. At the age of 12 in the temple, he's getting the sense of God as his heavenly father. And he says, I must be about my father's business. But throughout Luke's gospel, and we'll see several of these through the term, Jesus constantly is withdrawing to spend time with his father. Because he knows God loves him. He knows his father loves him. And this is his place of security. So, for example, Luke 5, 15 to 16. Have we got that one? There it is. As the news about Jesus spread all the more, so crowds of people came to hear and be healed of their sicknesses, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He just got away to be with the father. Luke 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the whole night praying to God. That was before he chose his disciples, before a big decision. It takes a lot of time. Luke chapter 9, verse 18, once when Jesus was praying in private. So we find him praying on his own. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 28, we find him praying with others. After eight days, Jesus took Peter, John, and James, took him up a mountain to pray. He prays on his own. He prays with others. He goes off on his own to a quiet place, sometimes spends all night. Luke 11, 1 and 2, we get to the point where Jesus is praying and his disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm not going to follow that one tonight. Andy's going to preach into that next week, teaching us to pray. But the point right at the start is that Jesus is, everything about him flows from this relationship with the Father. And this is the big truth for you if you are a Christian. Yes, God is your creator. Yes, he's your king. Yes, he'll be our judge, but ultimately, he's our heavenly father, and we come to him and we call him Abba Father. 
the Lord's Prayer we just prayed. We pray, our Father. We have security in him more secure than any child with a human parent. He is our Father. And the New Testament goes on and on and on about this, page after page. Here's a few examples. John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And John, in his old age, uh, one of the letters he wrote, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I get this, tonight we want to pray that the Holy Spirit helps you to get this. It makes so much, you, you may have got it in your head, but to know down here that God the Father loves me provides so much security, not because of what I do, but just because he loves me. He's my heavenly Father. And Jesus had this deep security. And it comes increasingly as God pours his Holy Spirit on us. So these whole things together of being forgiven, of knowing we're adopted as, into God's family and the Holy Spirit coming, all come together. St. Paul put it like this in Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. That's the bad news of this. Uh, there's no easy life guaranteed. It wasn't easy for Jesus. It isn't easy to follow him. But God loves us, and we're secure in that. Now, let me just ask you this question uh, for you to reflect on quietly. Do you know that? Just... If you're whispering to the person next to you, by all means whisper away. But do you know that? I suspect many of us know it to a certain extent, but we could all know it much more deeply so that we know that we know that we know it. And the difference it makes when you know that God has forgiven you, adopted you in his family, he's your heavenly father, he loves you, he's pleased with you. That is so releasing because it stops us trying to uh, decide what we think about ourselves based on everybody else. Um, I, from time to time, put up these two cycles. There's a cycle of grace and there's a cycle of grief. The cycle of grace is the good way round, and this is how it worked for Jesus. There it is on the left. You, you're accepted by God. You know he loves you. That sustains you. From that sustenance, you get your identity of who you are. I'm a child of God. And from that, you can flow into doing stuff for God. I can have a go at doing stuff. I can risk. It's okay. God loves me. And from all that, it, we, just, we just come back to the Father and say, well, that went well, or that didn't go well. Uh, but we know we're accepted. And it's a, a really healthy cycle. And we see Jesus modeling that cycle. What many of us get into is go, trying to go the other way around that. And that is the cycle of grief. So... It starts down the bottom with us trying to achieve. I'm trying, I want God to be pleased with me, so I'm going to try and get everything right. And when our identity is based on our sense of achievement, that tends to lead to being drivenness. Rather than being secure in it, it's never enough. There's always more. Or that was last year's achievement. What about this year? And if we only feel accepted because we're achieving, that just leads to burnout. Now, I continually have found that 
Uh, I try and live out the cycle of grace, but I keep reverting to the cycle of grief because we, we live in a world that's based on your acceptance being based on what you achieve. The whole point of the Christian faith is that God loves us, Jesus died for us, so we're accepted and our acceptance is given. Just like children in a human family don't have to prove they belong to that family, they just are secure in their parents' love. And any, when ministry, if we go back to the cycle of grace, when our ministry flows out of that acceptance, it's very, very releasing. And we see this for Jesus. He was secure in who he was as the father's son. Uh, so that's the first strand. These all fit together, these strands. We see them all in Jesus' baptism. The second strand was actually his baptism. He, got, he came to John the Baptist. We could get rid of these cycles now, Daniel, thank you. He came to John to be baptized. And there is an obvious question, which is why on earth did Jesus need to be baptized when baptism is for the washing clean of sin and Jesus had no sin? And in Matthew's version of this, we get a little conversation where Matthew addresses it. Uh, so Matthew chapter 3, 13 to 15, we'll put this one up. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now, it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So John consented. So what did Jesus mean? I think what was going on is that Jesus came to identify with humanity. He left heaven, he came to identify with sinful humanity. Indeed, he came to take our sin on himself on the cross where he completely identified with sinful humanity. So at his baptism, he is identifying with us in our need for forgiveness. Um, the, what he would fully do on the cross when he took our sin on himself. It's the, that's why it was the right thing to do. It wasn't that he needed to be forgiven for himself, but he came to identify with us. On the cross, when our sin was fully on him, he would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he felt that sinfulness on himself. But for now, it's kind of an acted parable. He's acting out humanity needing to be forgiven. He's identifying with us. It's one of the wonderful things of the technical word, the incarnation, that Jesus becomes incarnate. He takes flesh, what we've celebrated at Christmas, that he becomes one of us. Not just a human, but he comes to identify with us so closely that he takes our sin on himself. And at his baptism, he's doing that fully. Uh, interestingly, that's a good pattern for ministry. I'm always a bit suspicious about hit-and-run ministry. There are some itinerant ministers who are always on the platform in different towns and are never local. Some of the best ministry I know, someone like J. John, who has this wonderful wide ministry, he is thoroughly rooted and incarnate in his local church. There's some ministries that go horribly wrong publicly when people are just on the stage and never really rooted incarnately. That's a bit of an aside. But we need to identify. It's one of the lovely things about Anglican parish ministry. They make sure there's a vicarage in the parish, or in our case, 10 yards outside the parish, but close, in, close, in, close enough. So you can afford to live where you're called to be, so you can really live and immerse yourself there. But this is the second thing. Jesus identifies with us. 
but he so identifies that he takes our sin on himself, on the cross, so we can be forgiven. And when you were baptized, whether it was when you were a baby or as an adult, there's this washing clean. And another question for you is, do you know that? Do you know that you are forgiven? Do you know that you are washed clean? Or do you have this sense that actually I'm not sure it's all dealt with? Because God wants you to know you're forgiven. It's like when you go to a beach, you can dig on the beach and the next day you come back and the tide's washed it clean, absolutely clean. Billy Graham famously used to say, I can do something that God can't. And people would be a bit surprised by that. And he'd say, I can remember my sins. <laughs> God's wiped them clean and they're gone. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus was sinless, so he, he was secure in that. But he died so we can know forgiveness. We, we have the confession every, every Sunday, either formally or informally as tonight. But a chance just to receive afresh God's forgiveness. But it may be that you're not sure. You may think everyone else can be forgiven but not me because I did that. And the evil one will whisper in our ears, oh, well, you're too bad to be forgiven. No one is too bad to be forgiven. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, including yours. And if that's a thing for you, tonight we want to pray that you would know that you are forgiven. You need to know the Father loves you. You need to know you're forgiven. And the third thing we need is we need God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. We cannot live a life that pleases him without God's Holy Spirit. We cannot do anything worthwhile without God's Holy Spirit that will last for eternity. But with God's Spirit, it's amazing what God can do through us. So at his baptism, Jesus sensed the Spirit coming on like a dove and lighting on him. The Spirit helps us to know we're forgiven. The Spirit helps us to know the Father loves us. And the Spirit gives us energy. I don't know if you noticed as Chloe was reading, if we go to verse 16 of our passage when John the Baptist was talking about this. John says, I baptize you with water. It's just symbol. But one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. A modern idiom, I'm not worthy to lick his boots, we would, we would say. But he says, he will baptize you, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. Goodness me, we need that. I'm tired. I need the energy, the fire of God's Spirit to burn up the rubbish, to energize me. At the start of a new year, uh, we all need that. Two years into a pandemic, we all need that. We need, as a church, we need that fresh fire. Uh, I don't think the Anglican Church is rarely known for being too enthusiastic. Normally the Church of England we could use a little bit more fire and we want to pray that God would baptise us with the Holy Spirit and fire tonight. Now when he does, when he fills us with his Spirit, yes there's an energy, there's an awareness of the Father's love, there's an awareness of being forgiven. But also life gets more complicated. What happened for Jesus immediately afterwards was this, Luke 4 one to two. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, having just been baptized, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Often, when the Holy Spirit comes, life gets more difficult as well. But Jesus emerged from that period of testing in the wilderness, Luke chapter 4, verse 14, like this. 
Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread. And there's something about going through difficult testing time where God refines us, where the fire just slowly works its way through all the rubbish as testing times come and God purifies us so that that fullness of the Spirit becomes power of the Spirit. Now, it may be that you're facing a particular hard time at the moment. It does not mean that God's abandoned you. Far from it. Jesus faced difficult times. The Father was with him. He was full of the Spirit. Uh, Wherever you go, you cannot go away from God's presence. He is there with you. He will fill you with his spirit. He will assure you of his presence. But often there's tough times and he allows us to go through them because it's what matures us. And if Jesus needed that, then how much more do we? So how are you doing with all this? Where are you? Uh, Maybe you're here exploring the Christian faith and you're not sure about all this at all. In which case, please do come on one of our Alpha courses in person or online. Have a word with Andy afterwards or with me and we can point you in the right direction. Uh, Alpha is all about helping people to know the wonder of Jesus, that he is who he claimed to be, that there is forgiveness, that death is not the end, that we're adopted into God's family, how to pray, how to read the Bible, how to begin to live this out. Uh, I think there'll probably be far more who know you're Christians but you're not really sure of the Father's love for you. You sort of know he does, but it's, you don't know that you know it. Tonight would be a really good night to pray that God would fill you with his spirit so you know what a difference that would make as we go into this year. Or maybe you're not sure that you're forgiven. Maybe there's one particular thing. Jesus died for that thing too. Love to pray that you know that. Uh, If you really struggle with that, that can be helpful to talk and pray with someone. You might want to have a word with me or Andy or someone else and we could talk and pray that through with you. It's one of the great privileges of helping people to know that you are forgiven. Or maybe you know that the Father loves you and you know you're forgiven, but you're just a bit lacking in oomph. (laughs) It'd be good to pray for the Holy Spirit and fire to fill us afresh so we live for Jesus. Uh, Monday morning as well as Sunday evening, uh, through the week, through the year. Uh, I'm not going to say any more than that. I'm going to lead in a time of prayer. And uh, I think what we always have a time where after the service we invite people, if they'd like someone to pray for them, to come, and we'll do that afterwards. Uh, But what I'm going to do this evening, I did this this morning as well at the start of the new year, is to invite people to come forward for prayer. If you would like someone just to lay a hand on your shoulder, And pray that God would fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit, help you to know the Father's love, to know your forgiveness, and to fill you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, So how we'll do that, in a moment I'll invite the band back, I'll invite you to stand, we'll pray a prayer generally, we'll have a minute or two of quiet, just processing stuff with the Lord, receiving what he wants to give. And then I'll invite anyone who'd like someone to just have a a prayer hands-on. It can be really helpful this, I found it helpful myself personally, sometimes to walk forward as a step. Okay, at the start of this year, Father, I know I need this. Uh, You don't have to. You can receive the Holy Spirit afresh and the Father's love exactly where you are. There's nothing magic about this space here. It's just that it can sometimes be helpful, and from time to time we offer that. So would you like to stand? Band, if you'd come back ready to lead us in our uh, final song in a bit. Heavenly Father, here we are at the start of a new year. And we thank you 
for what we're thinking about, that you've made us and you love us, that Jesus died so we can be forgiven and washed clean, that you promise to fill us with your Holy Spirit as we come to you. And we see at the start of Jesus' ministry all those things, assured of the Father's love, baptised, fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And we long for that for ourselves and for this church at the start of a new year. So we pray, come Holy Spirit and fill us afresh and minister to us. And just in the stillness, come and minister to whatever our deepest need is, whether it's one of those things I've touched on this evening or there's something else. Come Holy Spirit.